0: <clears throat> All right, so you're ready for me whenever.
1: Oh, I've been ready for you whenever.
0: Why is that always that? When I say, are you ready, Jim? Are you ready, Jim? And then you say, I've been waiting. I'm, I'm waiting here forever. It's recording.
1: <sighs> you need me to prove that to you? No, I don't
0: need you to prove right. that to me. I'm just saying All right. well, that next yeah. time maybe we can line it up better so that I say, hey, Jim, I'm ready. Are you ready? And you can say, yes, I am now ready. And we can both be ready instead of... I'm saying I'm ready, and I'm waiting for you, and the next thing I know, you're like, I've been recording, I'm ready.
1: I, I've been recording, I'm ready.
0: <sighs> Welcome to episode 28 of the F1 show for the 2008 Turkish Grand Prix. I'm Robin Warner.
1: And I'm Jim Lau, and we saw McLaren almost return to their former glory.
0: Almost is right, however, Ferrari remains strong as Massa takes another win from pole. That is three in a row for Massa in Turkey. This moves Massa to second in the Drivers' Championship, seven points behind his teammate. While Raikkonen retains the championship lead, he cannot hold off the charging and light Lewis Hamilton. Hamilton made the most of a three-stop strategy and was aggressive all race. Raikkonen put some pressure on Hamilton towards the end, but had to settle for the six points that third place rewards. He did, however, gain fastest lap. Kovalainen was forced to pit early after a puncture at the race start. And while he passed many people on track, he could not get into the points, finishing in lap down in 12th. This is a big shame for him as he qualified on the front row, a first for the likable Finn. Kubica led the two BMW Sauber's in fourth and proved yet again that I was right and Mario Thiessen was wrong about being a top team. (laughs) Alonzo continues to carry the Renault team, finishing sixth. His teammate Nelson Piquet managed 15th. Weber quietly collected two points in seventh, and Nico Rosberg wrestled his Williams Toyota to eighth, probably a better result than the car deserves. Well, Jim, your predictions were better than mine for this race, so I owe you a coke.
1: Excellent. Yeah, I mean, Masa just came back to to dominate, and I, but I think the bigger story is that it was it, this was their closest win so far um, with. Um, you know Lewis Hamilton was actually gaining on him actually passed him for position uh, you know for for the lead at one point and uh it, it wasn't and you know once once we sorted out the pit strategy it wasn't like it was really uh, like Hamilton really had a shot at the at the win but um, it was actually you know a closer victory and and as massa said in the interview after the race, Lewis was pushing him hard
0: well it's interesting this is probably the most interesting race we've seen this year strategically this is the you know uh most times during the race they'll tell you well this is a This is a two-stop race, or this is a one-stop race, or whatever. And it's usually a two-stop race, and almost every team follows that two-stop race strategy in terms of pit stops. Um, McLaren threw a curveball out there, and with Hamilton, they made it work reasonably well. And I think, to his credit, I think were it any lesser driver behind the wheel, it wouldn't have worked. But Hamilton was quite good. He was quite aggressive. He made that brilliant pass around Massa about midway through the race, or a little bit first third of the race. And he was able to get around uh, Raikkonen in the pits. And I think that McLaren took a weaker car and a stronger strategy and got a second place out of it.
1: Yeah, the, um, they ran that tire strategy because, if you remember last year, um, Hamilton had a spectacular failure in Turn 8, and uh, and you know, it was a tire failure that came down to whether the tires had been warmed up properly and they'd been worn too much. And it was basically the the fear that... Um, Which it's peculiar that it's specific to Hamilton's driving style, but uh, evidently it is that, you know, the Bridgestone engineers were sort of analyzing everything and and sorted out that they were just not comfortable with Hamilton running a two-stop strategy. And uh, as Lewis put it, you know, that he was given a problem and had to deal with it, and as he said, as he put it, made the best out of that situation. So it sounds like they would have rather run a two-stop strategy, um, but I think it worked out to be more interesting this way. And um, obviously the second place is uh, it, you know, not a shabby result, and you know, it could have been first if, if you know, Moss had you know, gotten coaxed into a mistake or anything like that.
0: Sure, sure. And I think that shows uh, you know, Lewis's ability to make lemonade out of lemons. I'm sure that if you look at the strict formula of what's the fastest way to complete a race, that two pit stops – is what mathematically works out to be the best. Um, however, that doesn't mean anything when you have specific issues. Yeah. And I think it is very interesting that it not only is it specific to the car manufacturer, the track, the conditions at the track, the tire, but the driving style that says, okay, because of all these circumstances, this guy shouldn't run this strategy. I, I find that really fascinating. And that made this race pretty interesting because it wasn't just about – who was where on the track, and has that person finished his first pit stop or second pit stop, there were extra variables in there that made you think, and there were some pretty close battles on the track.
1: Yeah, although it, it, uh, looking back, at, uh, a, a Turkish Grand Prix has not been won from anywhere but poles. So ultimately, I mean, it still speaks to the lack of actual passing in F1, how excited we get when there is a pass for the lead, because that almost always happens in the pits, you know, and just the, the first driver, you know, the, the, it's lately been the Ferrari, just walk away with it, and it's just... The only time anyone else leads is when they're shuffled through the pit order, and it just kind of comes back and the race ends. Um, but again,
0: mostly thanks to McLaren, we did have some reasonable on-track action. Yeah, let's not forget it's... Kovalainen's pass on the outside around, I don't know, several people. Yeah,
1: we'll let's talk about Kovalainen for a second. Uh, lap two, he's got a puncture probably from uh, some debris on track that was caused by uh, one of the you know lap one crashes. Uh, so um, it really just messed up his whole
0: race. I mean, he didn't get a brilliant start, um, but... Uh, That's interesting because uh, I think it was, you know, the speed coverage we saw, they thought it was Raikkonen's wing clipping Kovalainen's tire right on the race start. That was their guess. Oh, okay. And Raikkonen seemed to uh, confirm that.
1: Okay. Well, it was, uh, either way, it was just right after, um, you know, he had a pit. I guess it was considered lap two because their pit is after the lap marker. Sure, sure. Fair enough. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so he had a pit at um, very beginning of the race, um, which just put him... I mean, he had to go all the way to the back, and, he, and Kovalainen had to fight his way through the field, which is really too bad, because he had a, a really good story where he bounced back from his big crash uh, in Spain a couple weeks ago, um, was just said he was in fine form, he even, you know, did his extra training and, and pushed himself a little bit harder just to make sure everything was okay with his body and his, you know, you know his, just his head and his all of his, you know, his wrists and everything, and, um, you know, comes back and, and gets second, you know, outside pole... Um, so a brilliant job in qualifying
0: and and historically in this team so far the first four races anyway he was not the stronger qualifier of yeah the two.
1: so doing a really good job and then to have all that go away because of a puncture um and have to fight his way through the field i made for a couple of uh, you know good on track moves because he was making passes working his way through the field just being a you know fast car and a, you know in the mid-pack but uh it's really too bad he couldn't translate that into you know some solid points and a, and a good result for the team.
0: No, he did end up a lap down in twelfth, like I said in the report, and it was ultimately unfortunate. He also did a three-stop strategy the way it worked out, or I don't know, was it even four stops the way it worked out? It seemed like he did he did uh, that second lap pit stop and then I don't know several others.
1: Yeah, well, I want to go back to the um, to the tire and the, sort of the all the variables that go into a race for a moment between the tires that drive the, the track conditions and everything you um, do that i'm going to look up
0: the pit stops all you right.
1: took. and that's a big deal at this race because uh, traditionally the turkish race is l- much later in the summer um and this is very early it's a big big change on the calendar for this year and the temperatures are much colder than they've been i mean relatively we're talking you know maybe 60 degrees fahrenheit uh air temperature instead of you know i don't know if it's been one of these 90 or 100 degrees but definitely a much cooler track and much cooler air to work with um which according to the coverage we, we get here in the U.S., they said, all oh, the Bridgestone guys were just really caught off guard by this. Uh, and I don't feel I – I can't see why there's any reason that, you know, with all the time, money, and resources all of these teams have, and especially Bridgestone doing tire development, you know they've got their weather people that are there at the track running their own weather radar, making their own predictions. You know, they've got meteorologists on staff to, uh, to you know, try to calculate everything down, down to the thousandth of a second. The fact that these guys couldn't, you know, look up the, you know, average temperatures for, uh, uh, you know, a, a May day in, in Turkey and, and try to figure out what the temperatures are going to be on track is really beyond me. I feel like that's, you know, they, they really ought to know what's, what what they're getting into uh, because this, this is, calendar's been like this. This is not like a last-minute thing. The calendar's been like this for months. So I'm really surprised at Bridgestone that they weren't on top of this right from the get-go. And, uh you know, and I I wonder how much they suffered for that. I mean, a, l- a lot of the teams wouldn't run the uh, or tried to, to run the soft tires as little as possible um, because it would just grain so quickly. It just didn't work so well in the colder uh
0: I agree, conditions. I agree. And I, I wonder, is was just, just an unseasonably cold day for Turkey and they were thrown off? Do we have any Turkish F1 show fans that can maybe enlighten us here? Was this just bizarre weather for you guys? Or could they have had some sort of precedence to say, oh, Turkey's colder in May, which seems Completely practical to us. And uh, I don't know. Yeah, I, I did look this up. Heike Kovalainen had a total of three pit stops. So it sounds like he would have had a normal two pit stop strategy. He pitted on lap two, and then he pitted again on lap 26, and then again on lap 50 out of 58 laps. So there you have it. Indeed. Um, so, well, I, I, I guess, you know, I, I don't have an army
1: of uh, researchers to find out what temperature is supposed to be in Turkey this time of year, so I can't actually say. but... Uh, we should get an army. We yeah an army of, of 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 researchers a few i don't know researchers or minions or something minions that do research that that's like a double whammy that's that's brilliant
0: now another thing i uh, I noticed at this race particular, and something they were talking about all weekend was the dirty side of the track versus the clean side of the track for the start of the race, the dirty side of the track being uh the side that is not the racing line, so it tends to build up the the dust and the grime and the and the little bits of tire that uh, that wear off as the uh, cars, you know, build up over the weekend as the cars, you know, use in, you know, wear in the track. Yeah. And uh, that is where second, fourth, sixth, and so on get placed on the grid. And they always talk about being on the clean line or the dirty line. And you usually see, you know, some some difference, but it's usually fairly minor and isn't going to ruin anybody, anybody's race. However... There was a significant difference in launch speed between 1st, 3rd, 5th, etc., and 2nd, 4th, 6th, etc., this time around. Uh, the one exception I saw, Kimi Raikkonen still seemed to get a pretty good launch from 4th, but in the end he still got uh, held back from uh, his little incident with Kovalainen. So uh, dirty side of the line really messed up some people, including Kovalainen.
1: Yeah, it was it was really pretty dramatic. And, uh, I mean, Kovalainen lost a lot of spots, um, or I guess just... Was a much slower getaway until you know Kimi Raikkonen was right up next to him. And Massa uh,
0: had, I would say, at least two car lengths by the end by the end of the straightaway, which was not that long.
1: Yeah, and then Mark Webber started sixth. And uh, to be honest, I'm not sure quite how. I mean, it was in, mid, in the mid pack there. I don't think it made it quite as big of a difference. But uh, it was definitely it was it was pretty dramatic to be able to see the guys on the clean line, and it was something they were they were concerned about. Um, and I'm not sure. I guess it's just the combination of the tires and the, the engineers, with Bridgestone being caught off guard, and the, and the tires, and then obviously without traction control, it's just another, um, you know, just another block in the whole, uh, in the whole model there. To uh, just everything has got to be just perfect, and uh, the, definitely the guys on the dirty side of the track just had much more work to do to, to just feather the throttle and and keep everything under them to uh, to get a good start.
0: Well, usually what you see when you see an F1 start is it's always dramatic, and usually you see people darting left and right. And moving in and out, some people have a bad launch, some people have a good one. Some that have the bad launch are on the clean side, some that have a good one are on the dirty side. And it really gets a bit, um, you know, ambiguous as which was really the better place to start and usually evens itself out. This, to me, especially the first three or four rows, was a pretty clear line of cars accelerating better than another line. So just like the shift... Between the even side of the track and the odd, with the even side uh, having a clear disadvantage, and that 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 ruined some people's races. Uh, Kovalainen's.
1: <laughs> yeah, that obviously uh, the biggest one was was Kovalinans, and uh, it's really too bad to uh, to see him, you know, just have that problem. Um, but you know, did not have a problem on the start. Finally, um, Sebastian Vettel. I just want to give him Yay, a little shout out for, for, Sebastian. for uh, Three finishing cheers. the race.
0: Finishing the race—that's like a win, sort of. In a way, I wonder if he's really exhausted. Like, oh man, these like, things are long. These races
1: are long. <laughs> Have you ever done like a whole one of these? Oh, man, jeez. No, man, he he did all full races last year. He was he did you know really good job last year. But it just man, he's had the worst luck at the beginning of this year, and it's good to see him actually finish one. Um, but even worse than not than than not finishing a race, not even being in a race to a start. I'm surprised we haven't talked about this yet. But Super Aguri is not on the grid today, man. They are like out.
0: We we, we haven't been talking about it because I don't believe it. They were there. Everything was fine. I think I think Sato was 14th, which is a respectable result considering their lack of testing. Oh no, no, Davidson no, 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 I, no, was no. 19th, and he had good You're pit stops. deluding yourself. But he, no, no, they were
1: there. The little paper cardboard models you held up in front of the TV with super aggravating on them. Not true. Were not actually Takuma Sato nor Anthony Davidson. Yeah. This was a 20 car race today.
0: What am I gonna do? <laughs> <laughs> Really not taking this new one as
2: well.
0: <laughs> I know that sucks, dude, seriously. I-, I hope they can sort
1: something out, but it really seems like that's the end of Super Aguri.
0: Well, you know, what's his name? Suzuki Aguri? Is that Aguri his name? Suzuki. Aguri Suzuki. I'm sorry. He seems awfully crafty, and if there's anyone that can pull this out, it would be him, but yeah, it, it looks awfully bleak. And it's really a shame because at the beginning of the season we were talking about a potential of twenty-four cars, Super Guri being a healthy team that's doing just fine and moving up, and Pro Drive team uh, uh, coming online. And now, now we're down to twenty, and that, that's too bad.
1: Yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, I guess it ultimately didn't change the dynamic of the race in a huge way for me. I mean, I feel like the loss is more just in the in the personality of the. Of the the low-end team that, you know, occasionally has these brilliant
0: results that... Well, it's the underdog that everyone wanted to shoot for.
1: Yeah, because Force India just doesn't make nearly as good of an underdog. I mean, I, I don't really feel like rooting for them in quite the same way I did with Super Aguri.
0: Well, there's another dynamic that we're seeing here. And again, if you look back five or six years, the difference between the fast teams and the slow teams back then compared to the fast teams and the slow teams now... Really seems to have tightened up quite yeah, a bit. That's true. And even Force India, being the back marker, they can they can scrap. This is not a minority team that are basically two teammates racing each other four or five laps down. Yeah. And Fisichella has put in some fairly impressive results. Today not included,
2: perhaps, Yeah, today he but. <laughs> had a
1: pretty good acceleration out of the start and into the weeds of turn one. I mean, that was about the extent of his race today. But
0: Although I want to talk about that, and I, I can't even believe I'm doing this, but I'm about to defend Fisichella.
1: Oh, boy. No, we'll give him fair, you know, fair treatment where it's due.
0: Fair treatment where it's due. Uh, most, you know, the people on speed anyway, they were pretty quick to criticize him, saying, hey, he's, he's a veteran, he should know better, et cetera, et cetera. However, if you look at the race footage pretty closely, uh, I believe it was Sebastian Bourdais cut into his braking zone, his his clean air, right at the end, right at turn-in, where he wasn't expecting it. And not necessarily, uh, he didn't have a reason to be expecting Bourdais to cut in like that. He lost all the air off his front wing, lost a fair amount of braking force as a result, and ended up locking his tires and sending himself over the roof of Kaz Nakajima. That put both Fisichella and Kaz Nakajima out of the race, which was unfortunate. It was not Kaz Nakajima's fault. It was Fisichella's, but it wasn't just a boneheaded brain fart by Fisichella. No,
1: but, I mean, there's so much, um, you know, as you just mentioned in the start, you know, guys chopping from right to left and left to right and, and, you know, vying for position as much as they possibly can. So it's... You can't say it was completely his fault, although I'm not, I can't. I'm, I can't say that he's completely without fault either. Um, if he was, you know, maybe getting a little aggressive uh, going into turn one, um, and I guess you know you want to be aggressive, but it just if, if he wasn't pushing it a bit hard, the fact that he couldn't get on the brakes, or I don't know, quite—it was hard to tell how quickly he got on the brakes once this car came into view. In case you know he was looking farther down the corner or something, and it's—it's it's hard to say. But I feel like. Um, there's so many you know quick lane changes basically in formula One that it's like you got that's part of what you got to be able to deal with and have this reaction to to do that that it's I don't think he was just along for the ride
0: that's 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 a fair point that's a valid point however, I will say that he had clean air and had he still had the clean air, I think he would have made the corner just fine
1: okay well, the world may never know, but uh we we'll, we'll we'll give fizzy the benefit of the doubt on that well and uh, either way, it sucks to you' out I'll be just one. as happy
0: if we Come out of the Monaco race, and I say, "Yeah, Fizzy sucks." I'd be just as happy with that. <laughs> I don't want to defend the guy, but I, I felt compelled to do so.
1: Yeah, well, we'll, you, you know, if, if it's not his mistake, then uh, you know, and it's certainly not entirely his mistake. I think that much is clear. Um, that that was, you know, just really cut, cut close in front of him, and uh, that's the way it ended up. So that's, so that's what it is. What it
0: is. Back to the front of the grid. Yes, Ferrari. Okay. Wow. I mean, they they are they're doing quite well this season.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, they're definitely running away with the uh, constructors' championship for right now, and it's. You know, not even... It, McLaren may be up to challenging them, but it's... They're not... McLaren definitely doesn't have their number yet. But uh, with with Kimi, yeah, I mean, obviously Felipe Massa had a, a pretty commanding pole position. Uh, Kimi was only fourth. He was on real heavy fuel, it turned out, um, but uh, actually just made a mistake on his uh, on his second lap in Q3 and, and just lost a bunch of time and, you know, cost him a couple of positions. So he was hoping he could be on pole or maybe second behind Massa, uh, but, you know, couldn't quite put that together and ended up starting fourth. But obviously he... Uh, You know, made the most of it and stayed on the podium.
0: Well, Massa does seem to own this track. He has now won it three times in a row. But I felt that Keeney was kind of in the zone. He's been doing really well this season. He's now comfortable in his Ferrari shoes. And I thought that he was pretty much going to run away with it. Uh, You could see the mistake he made in the third sector. The car got very loose on him. I was surprised in some ways that it cost him as much time as he did. But I guess three-tenths of a second really isn't all that much time when you think about it. And that that was enough to keep him, you know, from fourth because McLaren qualified actually uh, fairly strongly. Uh, as we said earlier, Kovalainen was in second. He was actually only about tenth, tenth and a half off of Massa, And Hamilton was behind him another tenth behind. So, uh, you know, Ferrari and Kimi Raikkonen made the most of it. First and third is keeping them very strong for both Raikkonen's championship and Ferrari's. Yeah, definitely. And... The thing that's interesting is that the Ferrari car seems to work well, hard compound or soft compound, cold weather or warm weather, tight corner, fast corner. That car just seems to be sorted out thoroughly.
1: Yeah, it's like... And you don't want to take any credit away from the drivers, but it's all you wonder sort of how different it would be, you know, if you could get Lewis Hamilton in a Ferrari or vice versa, and sort of figure out how much of it is driver and how much of it is car. And I guess ultimately the answer is that it's the combination. But the car just seems so composed, and it's like, uh, and, and it, which reminds me of like the Michael Schumacher era, like you just, you know, he went what thirty-five races in a row without a mechanical retirement or whatever it was, where it just. You know, other cars are going to be turning off left and right. And this was before the, you know, the, the engine's uh, rev caps and whatever. So you'd see a lot of engine failures, a lot of different things. Um, but it was like, well, never on Schumacher's car. I mean, the Ferraris would never break down. Right. And it's they're like back to that. Like whatever it was that, that went wrong, um, they've they've fixed. And um, they're, they're just, you know, it's totally reliable. And there's like not even really a question of um, – Oh, they you know it's, this is this is the surface that's a problem for Ferrari. Oh, it's it's, it's cold temperatures. That's their big. Right, that's their Achilles' right. heel. It's, it's like,
0: not even just rel- reliability. It's just just any aspect. Yeah, there's of dynamic movement. Ferrari has sorted out.
1: Like oh, it's curbs. Oh, that's all. Oh, the Ferrari's good there. You know, yeah. any whatever it is. So I,
0: it's, you could really see it. Uh, I think it's entering turn eight. And it's really bumpy, and it's kind of downhill, and a lot of cars got unstable there. Yeah, and Ferraris just glided over it like it was nothing.
1: Yeah, it seems like there's a series of bumps in such a in such a way that uh, it kind it's of
0: almost oscillations.
1: Yeah, it's it's like it goes up and down, and in the way that the, the suspension bounces, the, the little bit that the suspension does give, um, and it, it was almost just made the cars worse. And you can see a lot of the cars getting pretty sideways in there because the rear wheels can get off the ground just enough. Um, to uh, to start spinning the car out sideways, and, and Lewis Hamilton had a pretty dramatic... Uh, well, it started to slide out, and he caught it quickly and, and did a great job to recover it, but the car was, you know, airborne, and that he had to recover that, where the Ferraris would just drive over that like it was nothing. So whatever they've done, they've done it really well.
0: Right, and the other thing, we talked about this a little bit at the beginning of the season, how is Ferrari going to do without John Todd? Pretty okay. <laughs> <laughs> pretty I'd, darn okay. I hadn't thought about
1: it in those terms, but uh, yeah, that's... Uh, Oh, boy.
0: Maybe, you know, the, the fingernails that he kept biting off were getting into the computers and actually slowing them down. Probably just making
1: everybody else nervous, you know. Oh, Jean-Thard. Oh, my God. So, uh, man, he's, uh, he's, you know, obviously the, the Ferrari team is, is sorted for now. So, uh, well done for that. And I feel like McLaren, on the other hand, has really been feeling the pressure. And actually, what, and they should be in better spirits after today's race. Um, but before the race today, we heard the thing out of, out of Ron Dennis, a comment that uh, I wouldn't have expected to hear.
0: First of all, Lewis Hamilton is basically an adopted son of Ron Dennis. But today, before the race to the American television, he said that Lewis Hamilton just overdrove the car and that it was very capable of pole.
1: The car was more than capable of pole, and it was all Lewis's fault for not, not, making it, not getting a pole.
0: Jim and I were pretty shocked at that. Yeah, man. I mean, if anyone's got Lewis's back, it's Ron Dennis, right? Well, and here's the thing. Kovalainen didn't overdrive the car. Kovalainen was second behind Massa. So first of all, I think Ron is incorrect. I do not think that car was capable of pull considering the Ferrari in Massa's hand. Yeah. Second of all, what surprised me almost more uh, is Lewis took it. After the race, Lewis said he looked at the data and he was a little slow in the second sector during qualifying.
1: Yeah, and I think that may be the case, but how often do we see team principals coming out against their drivers exactly. doing that? I mean, I think the fact that you make a mistake or the fact that you're not on pole, I mean, that happens to everybody. You know, all but one guy isn't on pole, right? So it's like, you know, it's but it's just having the blame come down from a team principal to a driver, especially from Ron Dennis to Lewis Hamilton. I mean, Absolutely. like like you say, I mean, Ron Dennis has, has really, like, you know, nurtured Lewis from when he Since was like, he was
0: 10. Yeah.
1: And so, and to come out and just and just sort of the fact that he made the comment, I think more than even Lewis's qualifying performance, is is you know whether is that just the pressure that they're, you know they're like man Ferrari's running away with it and we kind of got nothing, um, or that we had something and Lewis just screwed it all up by not getting pole. I mean, it's they I, I it could be tricky times over at, you know at McLaren HQ right now. They they may not be on, you know the best of terms over there. I don't know.
0: It's it's possible. Uh, you know, I I hope that it's not that bleak and maybe that was just a tense moment. But I don't think Lewis would have had the pole, even if he had you know, not been slow in the second sector. But I think Ron Dennis overall should be pretty happy. He's got two strong drivers in Kovalainen and Hamilton. Mm-hmm. However, something I noticed this race, I mean, we've been seeing it over this whole season, but this race really started to point out that I'm seeing more and more there is a fair number of teams that have a really good driver and a not-so-good driver, the strong and the weak. Yeah. Now, Jim, I've done something here. Okay. I have six teams listed. All right. All right. All right. And they're listed in order of biggest difference to least difference in terms of having a strong driver and a weak driver. So we'll
1: call it the driver differential.
0: Yes. Okay. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to name the team. Yes. I'm going to name the strong driver. Okay. And then I'm going to name the weak driver. Okay. This is a lot of preparation. Yes, okay. absolutely. And you tell me if you agree, disagree, and why.
1: Okay. Hit okay.
0: Me. All right. So, but you did all the research. Well, go ahead. Whatever. Okay. I think we want to look at Renault. <laughs> Alonzo, the strong driver. Oh, you think he's the strong one? Nelson BK, the weak driver.
1: Oh, well, because, see, I thought Nelson, because um, uh, his dad well, had said that, finish, his, that he was going to be really good. Before
0: you start defending him, maybe I should mention that okay. Alonzo qualified, hmm, let's see here, ninth. And Nelson Piquet, hold on, 17th. I believe Fernando Alonso was actually 7th. Oh, okay. I could be, yes, 7th. Yes. 7th and 17th. Um, Alonso, that's only
1: 10 spots, though. I mean, that's not that far.
0: Alonso's lap was three-quarters of a second faster than Nelson Piquet's, and Alonso did his with a full fuel load.
1: Yeah, Nelson Piquet hasn't quite shown the promise of Nelson PK. Hold
0: on before you defend Nelson I have more evidence for how was you. Was I going to defend Alonso Nelson? Alonso finished 6th in the race. Okay, how did Nelson do? Nelson finished 15th. Oh. Yeah. Um, well, 15th. I is, have before, there, you, you, before any, you before you defend Nelson you I, have get more, points I have, have more I have more evidence for you before you defend Nelson.
1: Okay, how many points does uh
0: Renault Alonso have? in the drivers championship has scored 9 points. Oh. Okay. okay. Renault and the constructors championship has scored 9 points
1: which means uh nelson um,
0: um no points 0 points yeah he yeah. hasn't
1: really hasn't really done that so
0: yet. go ahead and defend nelson
1: he's 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 a real young guy and um hasn't found his place yet
0: <laughs> <laughs> and his place will be mediocrity yeah the, uh, there is a huge difference between I these mean, two that, drivers. That's an obvious
1: one, yeah. And theres I mean, what, what are you going to do? I guess...
0: He's For... a rookie, but we're now five races in. He's done GP2. His dad was a world champion. I don't know how many times I have to say that. I'm not even going to say his dad's name. <laughs> I don't know. I, 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 I think he's had enough time to show some performance, and well, he hasn't. You think
1: the Renault is...
0: I mean, I, I feel like Fernando is just
1: getting... You know, 110% out of that car right now. I mean, I feel sure. like the Renault is just not up to par yet. Sure. And that's probably got to be especially bad uh, for Nelson, who's, like, trying to, you know, is just in Formula 1, just trying to do his thing. But I think he could do better, be doing better than he All is. All right. Well,
0: I'll give you – how about this? Okay. Last year in the Renault, it was uh, Giancarlo Fisichella. Our, uh, one of our favorites. And, <laughs> and Heike Kovalainen. Yeah. Right. Right. Uh, by, mid, by mid-season, by Kovalainen was markably faster than Giancarlo Fisichella, despite Fisichella having several years in the car to Kovalainen's not so much.
1: Yeah, okay. So Nelson Piquet kind of sucks at this point. All right. All right.
0: Well, okay. so who's next? Moving on.
1: Toyota. Oh, boy, Toyota. Next uh, biggest difference. Yeah. Strong driver? Guesses? Uh, I'm going to go ahead and say um, uh, Yarno.
0: Yarno, truly. Weak drivers. You know, Glock. T- Timo. Yes. Timo. Yeah.
1: Well, Okay, he's had some big spectacular Again, it's crashes. another rookie.
0: That makes for good television. He spun out. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay. Let's see what we got here. Toyota has also scored nine points in the Constructors' Championship. Which puts them in a solid sixth spot. Yeah. Hmm. Truly, I believe, has scored. Wait, where are we here? Oh, man. Now I'm on my thing.
1: I thought you did the research on this.
0: I thought I did, too, but apparently not.
1: Dude, Timo Leclerc has not any points. Come on. I don't think so. Timo Glock, zero. No, it does not.
0: There you have it. Yes. So, okay. agree
1: disagree? No, because he's not even that much of a rookie. He's been around and test driving, whatever he's been doing. He's been in F1 for a couple years, sort of behind the scenes. So, uh, yeah. um, I mean, Yarno truly is, like, solid and not even brilliant himself. So, I I still want to sort of see someone really good in the Toyota and see if that car is actually good or what's going on. But, uh, yeah, Timo Glock, man. Step up your game, buddy.
0: Yeah, now... Glock, the only reason you're not the weakest driver compared to the strongest is because of Piquet. So thank him.
1: <laughs> okay.
0: Right, next. Who else? Red Bull. Oh, boy. Strong.
1: Captain old guy team there, man.
0: Mark Webber. We got,
1: we got Marky, Marky Mark Webber in D.C. thard. Captain Crash. Um, yeah. Captain Crash. I like that. And we haven't, and we haven't even seen a whole lot of Webber because he just sort of does these, like, solid drama-free races. Okay, we haven't seen like a whole lot of moments of brilliance out of him, but
0: this homeboy's got points. This round, Turkish Grand Prix, he has got ten points, man. He's got ten points. Turkish Grand Prix, both of them made it to Q three. Yeah, that was interesting. However, Weber was three seconds faster, almost I believe, in his lap or it was two seconds.
1: I don't know, man. This page does not compare them lap to lap, but he but Weber ended up sixth, man. He started sixth, um, you know, qualified sixth. So uh, right. To, uh, to Coulthard's 10th. Yeah, man. So Coulthard made it to Q, uh, Q3, Q
0: but didn't improve on 10th spot. And let's not forget uh, last podcast where right in the notes, what do I have in here? Coulthard goes heart Because <laughs> he's been crashing and hitting people and running into things. Weber doesn't do that. If Weber's out of the race, it's because his car breaks. If Coulthard's out of the race, it's because he hit 15 people while being passed. <laughs>
1: All to try to avoid being passed and ending up in the wall anyway. Right. Okay, well, hold on. Um, from the F1 Show comments uh, and email feedback, this is feedback at F1Show.com. Uh, Laura from Germany um, has an alternative perspective on that. Um, alternative perspective? Yes. Which, do we allow those? We actually do. Oh, When they are good then. When they're, when they're not too alternative, if you know what I mean. Oh, right, okay. okay um,
0: alternative but safe.
1: Yes, so, uh, so Laura has been listening to our podcast for a long time. Thank you very much for that. And uh, it's that's yeah you're actually the first fan to uh, to email us from Germany so that's that's brilliant oh
0: that is that is pretty fantastic yeah dude uh, tell Rosberg I say what up
1: I'm sure she knows Nico Rosberg that's that's tight and Timo Glock tell him to like up his game yeah like, up like,
0: your game Glock all
1: right uh, but no she just wanted to comment on Coulthard uh, that she uh, she says the crash was not his fault and uh, in Germany the uh, sportscasters there um, one is a former F1 driver I'm not sure who uh, who does the calls the races out first there first of
0: all David Hobbs is a former F1 driver. <laughs> The fact that it's former, from 40 years ago do mean,
1: does former. not.
0: <laughs> um,
1: but, uh, no, they, so she said, hey, if anyone was going to say it's Glocks fault or, or try to get Glocks sure off the I'm sure David
0: hump. Hobbs' Formula One car was steam-powered. <laughs> okay. Can we move on? <laughs> sure. He uh, lives in Milwaukee, you know. Yes. That's not very Formula One driver-esque.
1: What else do you need to say about David Hobbs before we
0: continue? His, I think his son or grandson races go-karts. Okay, great. Um, so David Hobbs wears glasses. It says "clag" a lot, and he goes "oh."
1: The thing about this is, no one outside of the U.S. is gonna have any idea what we're talking about because no one outside of the U.S. Right, knows who David Hobbs even is.
0: Sorry, international fans.
1: Um, so, okay, she says if um, if they could have taken the blame off Timo, they would have. Um, you know, as being being in Germany and, and Timo being a German driver, but there's just no way. They said it was really Timo Glock's fault. Um, so uh, we're going to go ahead and uh, log that as an alternative perspective and admit that possibility.
0: That is absolutely fair. And I think we even said in the show that it was hard to tell we were leaning towards Coulthard because we didn't like him that much. <laughs> so <laughs> At least we're honest. I mean, I think – so too honest perspective there, that's fine. I, it it could, in fact, be glo- – Glock could have been overambitious.
1: ambitious. Okay. Okay, so that's that's just what I need to say about that. So okay, in the next uh, the driver differential. differentials, uh, where where Where, where, are, we we going where next? are we next? Okay, Williams. Oh, Williams. Okay, so they got Kaz Nakajima. I'm going to go ahead and call him the uh, the weaker one. Yep. Strong.
0: Yep. I got Rosberg. We yeah. got Nakajima here. So Nakajima. You know, it's just here we go again. Well, today.
1: Okay. Well, today. Um,
0: you know, not he's his fault.
1: He got run run over. That's not his fault. So we can't put today's performance down to him. F the A. But, uh, okay, but he started 16th. I mean, correct. That's like out in Q1. I mean, that's...
0: Yes, and truthfully, you know, uh, Rosberg did not do that much better. He started in... uh, 11th. uh, 11th. I mean,
1: which is... Which Q2, and at least, you know...
0: And Williams, in general, has has been doing... They had a really strong start in Australia, and they've kind of been slowly but surely falling back in the grid. But Rosberg has been just... He's just been getting more out of that car than Nakajim.
1: He's definitely the guy at Williams right now. I, I, I... can't dispute that.
0: Now, and actually, uh, during the preseason, I believe, we got a uh, comment saying that Nakajima was no good and there was no point in having him in the car. And we said, hey, he did all right.
1: Yeah. But. He's got five points. I mean, we've got to give him that. You can't still, argue with that. He's
0: still doing all right. Nico
1: Rosberg has eight points. I'm
0: he's not saying. doing brilliant. And again, we're, we're not talking about as big of a difference here. Now, we're, now this is the fourth team we're talking yeah, about. So we're, yeah, so we're.
1: That's, that's not a night and day, but. Rossberg is definitely the stronger driver there right now. Right. And, and actually I, I just to mention that uh, Kaznakajima is now the only Japanese driver in the field with uh, with Taku out of it. So uh you know he's got you know hopefully the the whole, the support of every, you know all the Japanese fans want to root for their home guy. He's their guy now. So they don't have quite Takuma Sato with the heart and sort of
0: craziness to uh to bring to the table. I'm I'm still going to I'm going to pretend that Jensen Button is Takuma Sato. Yeah. Yeah. Good way to go. That's all I've got. Anymore. All right. Yeah. Okay. So, truthfully, if if it were up to me, if I ruled F one completely, mm-hmm. I would have all four of those weak drivers out. Oh, get them out. Oh, really? PK, I don't. I think he's had enough time to show some speed, and he hasn't. Glock, I feel the same. Uh, Coolthard, he's been racing plenty long enough. <laughs> and Nakajima should race in Formula Nippon or something. I don't know. Okay. Maybe hit up the uh, JGTC or something. Okay. Okay. I've got another one. Last team. No. Second to last team.
1: Oh. Okay. STR. Skideria Toro Rosso. Okay. That's team Sebastian this year. Strong. Sebastian Vettel. Okay. And that means weak. Sebastian Bourdais, man. Yeah. That's our boy. Now... It hurt me
0: to write that. Wait. Hold on. It hurt me to write that, but... All right. We're starting... I've seen... More and more, this is what's happened is so where far it's a this little year bit for STR. Okay, Bordet has spun himself out of the race, made mistakes, and one way or the other, knocked himself out of the race. And he's only won, And he's only got two points to show for it. And Vettel. Oh, how many points does he have? None. But Vettel has been knocked out of the race through no fault of his own. Several times. So the fact that he—I guess—the fact that someone else took him out instead
1: of giving him the chance to take himself out makes him better.
0: No, what makes him better is the fact that he's out-qualified Bordet completely consistently, and he just seems to be a stronger, more consistent driver on the track. He doesn't make mistakes. And he's only 20. Bordet is 28. He's got to show himself, hey, if you're not the fastest guy, you're 28, you're mature, you're experienced, you know, set up, you know, you know how to do race distances. I mean, that's what he said. From Champ Car, I've got race distance experience covered. I'm going to own this kid. And he hasn't. He's made mistakes. Yeah, I hate right. to say this. Yeah, it pains me because Sebastian Bourdais is like our boy. He's totally our
1: boy. He's like the closest thing to an American driver we got going right now. And it, and he's French, man. That just doesn't. That I know. <laughs> I know. Oh boy. I know. So okay. Well, that's I, my stance. All right. Well, I guess I think that's one of those. Uh, for me, I, I kind of wait and see um, how this plays out. You know, if if he does get better, um, if um, the car is just so radically different to drive from Champ Car that his experience really doesn't matter. I mean, I can't imagine it's quite that way, but. We'll have to see whether Vettel's just really, really just improving at such an amazing rate that uh, he's sort of already passed Sebastian Bourdais or, or what. But uh, I, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to withhold judgment on that for right now. I, I see what you're saying, but uh, I still think um, you know I, I, I still like Bourdais, and, and you know he, he's got points on the board for STR, and I think we got to give him that. Um, and that. And you know maybe that's no, no fault of Vettel's own, but uh, um, you can't argue with success. And uh, a couple of points is uh, for a team like STR to already have some points on the board is definitely a good thing. Okay, I've got one more for you. Okay, one more. Hit me. BMW Sauber. Oh, okay. You've got Robert Kubica and you've got um, our boy uh, Nick Heidfeld.
0: Quick Nick, weak.
1: I agree. Actually, I agree on that one.
0: Again, it was hard for me to write that, and I think it's even smaller difference between Bourdais and Vettel. However, I think Kubica has now had enough races in him that he's completely comfortable in the car, and now that that is the case, he seems to be just a little bit faster Quick Nick is thirty one years old now, he's getting a little bit on the old side, although I'm twenty eight, so that's ridiculous that I have to say that.
1: Yeah, I think that's awesome.
0: And <laughs> you're a jerk. And uh Kubica, you know, he he the thing that just really just amazed me about him, the fact that he lost what was it, six, seven kilos yeah, of like... body mass. Not of fat. Of body mass. They were like, dude,
1: get smaller. He was like, Yes, okay.
0: Yes. And he's Polish. You know they love their sausages. (laughs) (laughs) Did I just offend people again? Awesome. Why do I always do that? Probably.
1: Okay, well, yeah, because Kubica, um, 24 points. Heidfeld, 20. And this is overall championship points here. So, uh, obviously, you know, you can't say Nick Heidfeld is horrible and and Kubica is amazingly brilliant. But I, I agree that Kubica is a stronger driver. And it hasn't looked like... I mean, it used to be sort of back and forth. It could be one right. guy or the other.
0: Preseason, I predicted Heidfeld to bring the first one yeah. to BMW Solver.
1: But it really just doesn't seem like that's the case anymore. It really feels like Heidfeld... Or that that uh, it's going to be Kubica to uh, really take him there.
0: Yeah. So there you have it. Those are the six teams where I noticed a the difference. There's four more. We'll go over them quick. Honda, I think both guys are slow. Uh, you know, <laughs> I know Button's okay. Barrichello he's been racing forever. All right, can we
1: just say, okay, Button... They're, they're both okay. Okay, well, Verichello... First of all, after this weekend apparently is the like longest career F one driver ever.
0: Well, he looks older than his dad. Yeah, dude. And he looks just as he old looks exactly in nineteen ninety one as he does now. That's the brilliant part. It, of... He didn't look young in ninety one. He just looked old in ninety one and equally old now. Like he got all his aging done in one batch and now he's done and he won't a- increase Was he bald in, age? in his high school senior photo?
1: That's Prob- my question. Probably, yes. I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and say yes. Like Brazil is known for like having like really beautiful people and somehow Rubens, like, slipped under that radar. <laughs> so, um, uh, but best of luck in the rest of your career, buddy. I, right. I don't know. I mean, He's got no points. Jensen Button's at least got three. That's true. And he's all, like, swanky and British. So if that's someone cool. were
0: to say, put a gun to my head and say, tell me which driver's faster, I'd say Button. But it's not, to me, it's not a huge difference between the two. I agree. Um, yeah. Force India, I think Giancarlo has is, is, is been quite quick. And, I mean,
1: compared to Sutil, yeah.
0: But it, it's hard to say. I mean, Sutil might be just going through drive spell, and they're both so slow comparatively that it, it's it's a little bit harder to gauge. I agree. Yeah. Um, McLaren, like I said earlier, I think both their drivers are quite good. If I were on Dennis, I'd be quite happy with my lineup.
1: Yeah, I still think Lewis um, ultimately is is better positioned to to get him wins. I mean, that this was still this was Heike's first front row grid starting position. And Lewis obviously just has more experience on pole and more experience, uh, you know, and more wins and, you know, wins, period. So um, I feel like, you know, just by, if only by experience, although, as you can see, I mean, these guys are, you know, can, can get really good really quickly. So uh, that may not mean much for long, but and, uh, and for Polo, now,
0: anyway, I think Lewis has the edge. And took Kovalainen half a season to get comfortable in Renault. It might take the same for him to get comfortable in McLaren. And the reason I don't extend Nelson Piquet that same kind of credit is because Kovalainen is consistently improving already. Yeah. Okay, and finally, we have Ferrari. I like Raikkonen more than Massa, but, I mean, Massa's just won twice in a row, so I can't really... Yeah, I mean, Massa's got 28 points to, to Kimi's 35,
1: so... Um, and, I mean, obviously, the, what, he's uh, out of the first two rounds, so if if that hadn't happened, you know, if we go and go back and play, uh, you know, what if... But then, why did that
0: happen, exactly? Yeah, you know what I mean? It, it yeah, goes so if we forth. go back
1: and play, what if, then we can say, oh, well, Felipe just, you know, has bad luck or has, you know, overdriven and made a couple of mistakes, but... um it all counts. It all counts, and, uh, you know, it's like if it takes halfway through the season to – it's not – like you know, the season starts at the beginning, and all the points you get in the first race are just the same as all the points you get in the last race. So, uh, you know, it's um, – Felipe is, is really coming on strong, and uh, he may be I, – I i can't really picture him being just overall a better driver than, than Raikkonen. I feel like sometimes the strategy works out one way or the other, or, you know, if Raikkonen, like in this case, made an error in qualifying, Masa was right there for the team – to still bring them a good result, you know, and still work with them. So yeah, I they're, they're both strong.
0: I think Massa has a raw talent, but I think Raikkonen just has more capability of seeing the whole race, you know, seeing the big picture of the race and the even bigger picture of the championship. I just – I don't think Massa can connect those dots as well. Yeah. So there it is. Uh, this would be a fantastic thing for you guys to comment on. I would love to hear other people's opinions on why people are good or bad. Who you think? Who you think – is strong who you think is weak why are we wrong let us know because to me this is a very interesting thing to see the performance within the team because you, you, that rules the car out
1: well okay one last one last team to mention for historical reasons okay super aguri
0: sato sato, sato. <laughs> Davidson was okay oh, but sato was god
1: is a god among men. Yes. Among super men.
0: Okay, so now do you, do you want to... We have a voicemail. Oh, we do. Which I'm so excited about. Do we want to do predictions first? No. Um, okay. but uh, I'll I, wait here then.
1: Okay, but no, I, I want to mention uh, the performance box.
0: Ah, uh, yes. The F1 show is supported by the Performance Box, a GPS-based lap timer, performance meter, and data logger. Perfect for any car nut to use at track days, autocrosses, or to simply see what your car can do, shipping worldwide from Vbox USA. For more info and the online store, go to performancedrift.com. Performancedrift.com. That is epic, dude.
1: So check it out. We got an email, and uh, first, you know, I'm reading my emails. and I got a fair number of these, and I kind of skim through them. I see an email from Lewis. Hello, uh, the subject is "Hello from England," and I'm Helton? like, dude, Lewis, Lewis Hamilton sent me an email. <laughs> Um, and it was, and what turned out was almost as cool. It was Lewis Hammond actually sent me an email from I England? I think that's Richard Hammond's younger brother, or something,
0: possibly. Possibly.
1: Um, so uh, he just uh, sent us an email and actually uh, with a voicemail attached to it. So uh, if, if uh, you want to be cool like Lewis and be on our show, just go to f1show dot com, click on the Skype voicemail link, and uh, we can uh, you can leave us a message there, and, and we actually get your voice and your questions. So uh, over to you, Lewis.
2: Hello, F One Show. This is um. This is Lewis from England, so that's if I sound funny, that's where it is. And I'm only 13, so there you go. Um, I just want to say well done for doing your podcast and everything. So congratulations on that. Keep up the good work. And um, the other thing is, have I missed something? Because I don't see how McLaren can be racing, because I thought they weren't allowed because of the Spygate thing. So if you could help, if you could explain that to me, that'd be great. The other thing was uh, predictions. Um, I'm going to predict for the Monaco race that I reckon Kubica will get pole again, because I think, I think he's doing really well. Um, but I think that Lewis Hamilton's going to beat him on pit stop strategy or something. Or he's going to beat him at least. I know it's hard to overtake on that circuit, but that's my predictions. And it's not just because I'm British, although I do want Lewis Hamilton to win. Anyway. There you go, uh, so keep up the good work and everything, well done, and I think it's kind of almost a credit to you guys that I'm listening to it as well, um, so it's like shows what a wide audience you have. I've already suggested it to some of my friends at school, so yeah, well done, keep up the good work, and see ya.
0: Well, Lewis, I do reckon you do sound a bit funny to us, but... That's okay. Here at the F1 Show, we welcome all kinds of folks from all kinds of areas, especially parts of England and all sorts of such. Actually, no, we don't think you sound funny (laughs) at all. Um, That was awesome. That was pretty awesome. As you can see, I am brilliant. First of all, thank you very much for recommending us to your friends. Uh, That's awfully flattering, and I think it is quite brilliant that you're 13 and as knowledgeable as you are. And if anything, your English accent makes you sound smarter than me. So you know, good luck with that, and I hope that takes you far. Uh, yeah, that's sec- a real that's
1: a real treat. Sounding smarter than Robin, Who man! Ah,
0: that's lovely, Jim. Thank oh, boy. you. boy. All right. To your Spygate question, uh, yes, they were they had all of their constructors points stripped from them in two thousand seven, and they were no longer to earn any more in two thousand seven, and their two thousand eight car was going to be closely scrutinized. However, the penalty was. Rest- was only for the 2000 season as well. 2008, they have a clean slate, clear record, and uh, ready to race and compete for the championship.
1: Except that they get the motorhomes and the pit lanes at the wanky end of the grid. Um, and
0: as a as an indirect consequence of not scoring any yeah. points, correct? Yes,
1: but uh, but, but yeah. no
0: specific penalties were given to them for the 2008 season.
1: Yeah, it was actually discussed for a while that they might be banned from racing in 2008, but I just think that would that would just be too big of a deal and, and too much of a black mark on Formula One in general that I don't think that that was really, you know, that may have been considered, but I don't think that was ever that close to actually happening.
0: Absolutely. Plus, that would rule out your prediction from ever being right that Lewis Hamilton might win the Monaco Grand Prix. Yeah, so you think um,
1: Robert Kubica will continue to be Polish um, in Monaco, and I think that's probably correct. Clever. You, you uh, sound
0: smarter than Jim, too.
1: Whether he's going to be on pole uh, position or not, I mean, your, your your predictions discount Ferrari, which unfortunately we can't discount. Um, I mean, Ferrari is just really strong. So uh, yeah, I, I Kubič on pole. Um, I just don't think the BMW's up to it around Monaco. I think that uh, somebody in either Ferrari or McLaren is going to be able to put a better lap in. And uh, I'm going to go out of limb here and say Kovalainen.
0: Well, yeah, is that your race winner there?
1: No, that says my uh, pole That's position. That's your pole position.
0: And who's your race winner then?
1: Kimi Räikkönen. I think I think Räikkönen's. Just got it in the bag with his pit strategy, with his in-and-out laps being as strong as they are, um, which is really where the passing is going to happen here in Monaco. I mean, it's you know, there's so few opportunities to actually pass on track, um, but I think Kimi can uh, can make it happen.
0: Uh, first of all, hey, the fact that you sent us predictions is great. The fact that you sent us predictions for Monaco is very, very brilliant and forth think, forthright on oh, – what's the word I'm thinking of? Forward thinking. Okay. Forward thinking on your part. See, smarter than me. And so, thank you so much for that. So, if anybody wants to get their race predictions on the show, do exactly what Lewis did and give us your race predictions. Skipping a race, and we will put it on the show, unless it's you know, you know, you you predict an IndyCar car driver. If you say Danica Patrick wins the race or something, we probably won't put it on there.
1: Oh, but we might.
0: Um, Which leads to my predictions, I suppose. Okay. Okay. Uh, I, I have to unfortunately agree with Jim. I think you cannot discount the Ferraris; they are going to be a factor in this race. However, I'm going to put Hamilton on the pole. Ooh, I like that. And I'm going to put Raikkonen in, in victory lane. Ooh, uh, can yeah. we? Are
1: we allowed to agree on a? I mean, I guess if we both predict the same thing. I think
0: if we both predict the same thing, <clears throat> that's that's what I think. So
1: yeah, well, that's what I think too. So there you have it. Um, and you don't really have. I mean, if you want to send us a prediction, um, the I guess the worst that could happen is we could, uh, you know, your predictions come out wrong and say, oh man, but for this race. Um, you know, so-and-so said that, uh, you know, Raikkonen was going to win. And we don't get quite, quite the excitement of uh, everyone believing that it came out first. I mean, I guess if you predicted correctly, and you just have to go by our word that's saying, oh, yeah, but we got this email back on Thursday, so there's no way he would have known. Um, but, uh, so, yeah, but uh, basically you can email us at uh, feedback at f1show.com. Absolutely. You can visit our Facebook page. The easiest way to get to that, because the link is kind of kind of messy, but just go to f1show.com. There's a Facebook button right on there. You click there, and uh, if you're a member of Facebook, it's all free, of course. You can uh, join the, the discussion forums there. You can post on the wall. You can post photos. All kinds of stuff. It's right. That's cool. where all the cool people are. Yeah. Very. Just uh, if you haven't checked that out, just uh, f1show.com and click on the Facebook link there, um, or and and, and then. Probably the, the closest you can get to being on the show is uh, sending us a, a Skype voicemail. Or what Lewis actually did was just to record an MP3 file and send it to us as an email. Another very clever move that works too. So uh, uh, anyway, you like? Uh, it's great to hear from you guys uh, from all over the world. And uh, we've got two weeks between now and Monaco. And until then, I'm Jim Lau
0: and I'm Robin Warner. Lewis's friends be like Lewis.
1: See
2: ya. See ya. <laughs>